Welcome to Norwegian On Air, the first episode of a new podcast providing insight into key issues for Norwegian Air Shuttle. This podcast is for investors, but also for all our Norwegian colleagues who want to learn more about Norwegian and the aviation industry. I am Stine Klund, Investor Relations Officer. And I'm Helena Löken, Head of Internal Communications. And together we will be co-chairing these podcasts. We aim to get behind the headlines and our financial figures, provide information on often used expressions and terminology and other key topics of interest. But Stina, we will also let our listeners propose topics, won't we? Yes, we will. You can send questions to investor.relations at norwegian.com with subject Norwegian on air. And for the show, we will invite experts, both within and outside of the company, to give their views on selected topics. Whom else as our first guest speaker than our CEO, Björn Schulz? Coming up in today's episode. Actually, after 2002, the no single EU member could enter into an agreement with another country on traffic rights. That had to be EU. First, why does it make sense for Norwegian to host a podcast? Today we have more than 16,000 investors spread all over the world both professional investors and so-called retailers, being the man on the street. It is impossible for us, of course, to communicate on a regular basis with all of this, but we really want to be accessible and transparent. So we therefore want to try the podcast format to provide more insight into the company and the industry that we think is so interesting and dynamic. But Stina, some would probably say it's enough to get an update on the status every quarter. Absolutely, some are fine with that. But many investors want more frequent updates and more importantly, a more long-term focus and the possibility to dive deeper into important topics to really understand the business. So the plan is to release one episode monthly, taking a brief look at relevant industry news and also bring in a guest to provide insight into selected topics such as traffic rights, revenue management, crew rosters. And we have many topics that we want to explore uh, but as you said, Helena, we hope to hear from you listeners what you really want to hear about and what you are interested in. We now have our first guest with us and we are happy to welcome our CEO, Björn Schulz. Oh, thank you. So what's on your agenda these days? No, we are uh, just preparing uh, what to do in uh, for the next year. We have to fly and how to uh, be as professional and uh, really keeping a low cost in mind. So is the program for next year settled? Uh, more or less settled, yes. Mm. I think we have one aircraft left uh, on uh, wide body to settle, uh, otherwise it's, uh, it's all set. You, you mentioned focus on cost performance. Uh, what are the sort of key areas that you're looking into improve? First of all, it's of course to uh, to be able to uh, produce uh, at a low cost, and that means that we have to uh, have a, a good utilization of all the aircraft and, and also all uh, all our staff, and uh, to fly the correct uh, routes. Of course, that's uh, also very important. When it comes to staff, there's been a lot of talk about interoperability. So, what is interoperability? Interoperability is a difficult word. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is uh, actually uh, the crew uh, should be able to fly uh, under whatever uh, AOC uh, they fly under. That means that uh, it doesn't matter whether uh, you have uh, an 
Irish AOC or you have a Norwegian AOC uh, or a UK AOC, uh, the staff on board, the pilot and the cabinet attendants, they should be able to fly and regardless of uh, what's actually the registration on the tail uh, on the aircraft. Uh, obviously they have to know when they are flying for each AOC but uh, the, the goal is to be able uh, to uh, have them to produce uh, where the aircraft are regardless of uh, the registration of the aircraft. Bjorn, you mentioned AOC or, or operating licenses. Why is it that Norwegian, you, you hold quite a few uh, operating licenses, why, why do you have so many or several? <laughs> I, I can Isn't that costly? The thing is that if we, as an example, if we fly out of London into Buenos Aires, we have to either fly on an Argentinian AOC or operating license or under a UK operating license. Why is that? That is because of the traffic rights. We don't have traffic rights between Norway and Argentina from Norway or from our EU company in Ireland. It's only bilateral, it goes between country and country. And the same is if we should fly, as an example, from uh, Ireland into Canada. We have to have a EU uh, operating license. We uh, we cannot do it out of uh, a Norwegian uh, license or out of a UK license. It has to be under an EU license. So it depends on where you fly from and where you fly uh, to. As an example, we could fly... Uh, uh, today we fly a lot of routes outside uh, Europe. Yeah. Within Europe it doesn't matter. Then, then you should obviously have only one AOC if you only fly within Europe. But if you fly out of Europe, uh, it depends where do you start and where, where do you end. As an example, we could uh, fly London, uh, we could fly uh, Oslo into Canada. Then we can do it on the Norwegian AOC. But on that, uh, we can only do it into Canada from Norway under a Norwegian operating uh, license. We cannot do it out of London or Paris or other places uh, because that's EU area and we are not an, uh, within the EU. So mm. you mentioned uh, a UK AOC. So, so how does Brexit play into all this? Brexit uh, makes it even more difficult because then you definitely have to, <laughs> to fly it under a UK AOC. Whatever you could fly out of uh, London, or most, um, many countries you could fly out of London, you could do it with an EU AOC because uh, London was part of EU. And, but EU doesn't have agreement with all countries. They have with a lot of countries. Actually, after 2002, no single EU member could enter into an agreement with another country on traffic rights. That had to had to be EU. Okay, so every all the countries would have after 2002. After 2002, but there is a lot of agreements before 2002 that haven't been renewed, and uh, that's uh, a negotiation uh, actually uh, today. So that means that uh, as an example into Argentina. Uh, you don't uh, have an EU permit to fly. That means that you have to fly uh, when you do it out of London or uh, UK. You have to fly it uh, under a UK umbrella. Brexit does it even worse because no uh, uh, UK is going out of EU, so you cannot fly it under a EU umbrella. You have to fly it under a UK umbrella. We are quite a good position 
aren't we, compared to our peers, <coughs> since we have uh, several AOCs? And, uh, yes, of course, uh, we have a UK AOC, and that g gives us uh, an advantage, because uh, now we can fly everything out of uh, UK, mm. because uh, we are a UK operator also. Otherwise, we could use, uh, for, for a couple of years, we could use our EU operating license out of, uh, that we have in Ireland, mm. but uh, not after Brexit. So, so going back to the topic of interoperability, since Norwegian, since we, we have the, the, the many IOCs, what needs to be done to achieve that staff <coughs> can fly on the different operating licenses? All the different uh, agencies ha have uh, a top uh, system uh, called EASA, and EASA have to approve the, the, uh, this uh, uh, this thing that we can uh, that we can actually fly under different AOCs. Today, Norwegian crew can only fly under a Norwegian AOC. Uh, UK crew can only fly under a UK AOC. And uh, and uh, EU crew can only fly under EU AOC, but if we can have the interoperability, they can fly under what uh, what AOC that where we have the aircraft available. So this uh, that means that we uh, it doesn't matter whether it is a Norwegian crew or a UK crew or a. Uh, EU crew, they can. Uh, it doesn't matter. They can all uh, all fly from uh, on the different aircraft, but it have to be on the same procedures. Uh, so all uh, AOCs have to be under exactly the same procedures, and of course uh, the same uh, compliance and and uh, security etc. That have to be uh, uh, in place uh, regardless uh, what. The AOC you will find, and uh, and they have to be common all the way through. In order to f for us to fly from different cities in Europe to different parts of the world, uh, we cannot do that under one AOC. We have to have have uh, that AOC in place where we get the allowance to fly. And why is this? more of a challenge would say for us than other network carriers for example you can see uh, typically a network carrier uh, they used to fly uh, like SAS uh, fly everything out to Copenhagen mm. okay but we fly something from Copenhagen something from Norway something from uh, London most of many or white bodies fly out of London and uh, we fly out of Rome and Paris, so we fly out of everywhere to everywhere. Uh, and as an example, uh, we fly Helsinki, Dubai. We couldn't do that with a Norwegian AOC. It had to be a EU AOC. So it's, uh, that is the problem. We fly to, we fly wherever people want to fly and uh, out of where they want to fly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it's a totally different setup than uh, the like, uh, normal legacy carriers that fly out of one point and that's where they started and that's uh, where they fly out of. So that is one important thing to reduce cost. Is there anything else that we need to focus on? Yes, uh, we are growing a lot and that means that uh, you have, one have to be very cautious of uh, the growth itself is a risk. So if you cannot produce more uh, when you grow, it's risky. You should uh, produce more with less people. 
But at the same t- time, scale is needed as well, isn't it? To keep costs down. Yeah. So that's it's why. It's very, very difficult because you need the same setup, uh, more or less, whether you fly 20 aircraft or 120. And of course, then you can see you have a scale. But uh, that is very important. So that means that uh, if you, uh, if you uh, ramp up the same amount of people from uh, 20 to 120, you don't get any scale out of it. And then it's only risk left. On another theme, we have just settled an agreement with the Scandinavian pilots, haven't we? Yeah, that's very good. We uh, are into a new three years agreement and that's very good. So definitely we need the pilots. They're doing a tremendous uh, job. So uh, I'm very happy that we could do that. Still another large uh, topic because you mentioned uh, growth also, of course, for next year and especially on uh, intercontinental operation. What's the plans there? Uh, there's been also some... Uh, headlines uh, lately on on Russia yeah, overflight rights yeah and it's uh, uh, it seems that we uh, will be allowed to fly out of the different uh, countries in Scandinavia out of uh, uh, Stockholm uh, Copenhagen and Oslo uh, under one AOC uh, or uh, with uh, being Norwegian or uh, Danish or Swedish doesn't matter we are still allowed to fly over Russia uh, so far, it's only been from Norway. So, so now we can fly over Russia from uh, from uh, the other cities, uh, Nordic cities uh, as well. The uh, problem is we haven't been. Uh, that's only southern part yeah, of Russia. That's a southern uh, corridor. It's uh, uh, we are not uh, still not allowed to fly over uh, Siberia. And of course, uh, in order to to go uh, China, South Korea, Japan, and all these. Uh, countries that um, have a high growth and where all, actually all the people on the globe lives and uh, then we have uh, to have access to go over the Russian uh, corridor. And, and how would that also benefit uh, the Scandinavian countries? The flow of tourists today as an example is coming from Asia yeah, and they want to see uh, the northern light and they want to see uh, the midnight sun so they uh, can take them in uh, from Asia into different cities in uh, Scandinavia and then fly them up north or down to uh, wherever they want to go in Europe or uh, even uh, further on to US. So it will benefit uh, both uh, the, what we, the narrow body aircraft, our narrow body aircraft and our wide body aircraft. We'll be able to operate a lot more routes. Yeah, so, so could you say more specifically how it would uh, also uh, benefit the narrow body uh, traffic? As an example, if we take uh, a routes out of uh, take uh, China, uh, you fly 340 people. Of, uh, as an example, from Beijing or Shanghai into uh, Oslo. And uh, maybe uh, 180 of them will uh, go uh, up north. 50 of them will uh, uh, will go uh, down to Europe, and uh, the rest will go to US. So that's why it uh, it will fill up uh, our aircraft wherever it's on on short haul and also on long haul aircraft. The next. Uh, actually leg on, on that journey for, for a lot of people be, will be from Oslo into uh, like New York or uh, Florida or uh, wherever they want to go. So that opens a possibility for us to to fly a lot more out of uh, the, the, the destinations that they come into. 
so we haven't given up those like, rights, even though the November negotiations didn't give any results. No, we have uh, by far mm. we have not given it up, and uh, I, I'm uh, fairly confident that we, in due time, we will get it. But it's not included in the 2018 program, as you. Uh, no, uh, it might be in the end of the 19 program, might be, but mm. uh, the, the, we have set the 18 program uh, without uh, knowing that we are highly likely will not be able to get uh, the overflying permits of Siberia in time mm. uh, to allocate the aircraft uh, for, for those routes. Uh, that's, but then again, we have a many, many more routes that we need to fly, not at least to South America, as an example. But we've seen the last year that approximately half of the um, long-haul capacity has been set on new routes and half on increased frequency. Well, how do you see that going into the next year? Um, we will follow the same strategy, uh, mm. or actually more into uh, adding more, uh, taking up the frequency so on uh, the destinations that we fly into because uh, there's uh, many more people that want to fly on uh, with us and uh, so it's easy to increase where we are uh, starting to get uh, known uh, for a very good product. We have, uh, we have very good airplanes, the Dreamliner is uh, exceptionally fine and uh, fantastic crews of course. Mm-hmm. Both things uh, need to be in place in order to, to attract the passengers. So that's uh, that's uh, obvious uh, thing that we have, uh, want to do to uh, set up more frequencies. But we also need to uh, to set up more uh, flights into other continents like uh, South America. We are mm-hmm. as we are starting uh, domestic in Argentina. We obviously need to have a connections between Argentina and uh, Europe, mm-hmm. and that's what we start in uh, February, where we start uh, London, Buenos Aires. But that have to be on uh, uh, UK. Uh, UK. <laughs> <laughs> we remember. <laughs> so we will fly that out of uh, out of UK yeah. uh, to Argentina. Out of yeah. uh, London, yes. Mm. So what is, what is the status on Argentina? Uh, we are, we have uh, been uh, allocated uh, concessions uh, to fly 153 routes, as far as I remember, out of uh, 156 that we applied for. Mm. So that means that we can fly more or less all over Argentina and, uh, and a lot of other routes as mm. well. And Argentina is extremely interesting and. Uh, a lot of uh, people will discover uh, Argentina is uh, absolutely uh, a hidden jewel. But we won't start with that many aircraft, I assume. We'll start. No, uh, our plan is to start there uh, with four to six aircraft uh, in the and uh, the high season in uh, Argentina mm-hmm. is, is of course opposite uh, northern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the high season uh, starts uh, in uh, October, November and ends in uh, April, March, April. Uh, so it fits very well together with uh, yeah. the seasonality in Europe. So apart from Argentina, uh, in what a- other areas uh, or regions do you foresee the largest growth? I think uh, obviously it will be uh, still be US because uh, when we fly out of Rome, a lot of uh, where we have allocated two aircraft, of course uh, they are flying into US uh, and uh, the same goes with uh, uh, when we have started up Barcelona, that also goes into the uh, US. 
So it's more adding these destinations, but it's a lot of uh, many places in Europe that it doesn't serve, that we need to serve, out of the same places in the US. (laughs) Speaking of Rome, it made me think about the uh, ongoing consolidation in European aviation. How do you see that going forward? Consolidation is difficult. I think it will uh, go forward, but uh, consolidation of uh, airlines is not uh, easy. And they all have uh, different procedures to operate. So I think uh, you will see consolidation, but uh, it's not as easy as uh, people think. Uh, We saw it when we we purchased um, Fly Nordic. Uh, That was only... As far as I remember, six or eight aircraft, uh, and it was very difficult to uh, integrate it into Norwegian. It's uh, time-consuming to do it. I think that's it for now, so thank you for taking the time, Björn. Yeah, thank you. This was uh, all for today's program. Thank you, Lena. We hope you listeners bear with us while we learn this new format. And again, we want to remind you to send emails to investor.relations at norwegian.com with both suggestions for topics and feedback. Constructive feedback, we always welcome. <laughs>